lovely spot here by the Billabong. Well, it's a magical place where men can meet and swap our stories. I've been coming here for years, heard stories from all over this place. Hell, I've been all over the place myself, seen it all. Say, would you like to hear one of my stories? Great. Oh, settle in and we'll get started. Well, not far from here, down the road in fact, and over that hill and out over that mountain range there, I met a bloke and he told me this story. The story about a woman he met called Nancy. One of our first female pilots, in fact. She flew all over this country and Europe and even served in World War One, putting some of the blokes to shame, I can tell you. She earned the name Nancy Bird. But this story isn't about the wartime, no. It's about a trip she took earlier in her career when she was a lot younger, serving as one of the first Royal Flying Doctors in our country. I walk around doing the final checks on my beloved workhorse, the Gypsy Moth. She's an old girl by today's standards, but her bones are strong. She flies straight every time. Should take around two hours to fly there and two hours back, depending on the weather, I'd say. I've been an aeronaut for as long as I can remember. Not that it's been easy. A young lady being interested in the sky rather than looking for a husband certainly got the men in a tizzy. Pre-check's done. Time to go. This little bloke needs to be taken to hospital. The little boy sits in the back. He's heavily sedated for this trip. I climb up above the clouds, listening to my engine roar with pride. Having had my licence at 18, I was limited to aerial shows in rural areas. During one show, a little boy got seriously ill. We had to take him to hospital. It was three hours away by car, so we piled the little fella into the trusty old girl and flew to town. The medical staff were certainly taken aback when I landed out the front of the hospital. Word soon got around and I was given support and a small fee to be on standby for the region. Most of the farmers did not like the idea of a woman pilot. One day, a farmer laughed at me only standing at five foot tall and needing a 44-gallon drum to climb on board. He stopped laughing when I flew over the top of him, making him dive into his pig pen. (laughs) Men. I've been to every corner of the state of New South Wales, and very occasionally I dip past the border and journey into the southern regions of Queensland, ferrying the sick and injured to larger hospitals. Once, I had a pregnant woman who was so big we had to strap her to the wing. I was worried she'd go into labour right on the bloody plane. But she was tough. She had six kids. The sun is setting to the west and white carpet turns to a lovely shade of peach. I sigh at the clouds that change until I hear it disturbing the peace. A small tapping sound. I look down both sides of the wings, checking the rudder cables in my cockpit. I don't want a wing cable to be loose. I'm not going to be able to land to fix it once I hit the mountain ranges. I look up, and something catches my eye. Two green, little hairy hands slipping onto the top of the wings. I shake my head and look again. 
I stare in disbelief as a little one-foot-tall creature scampers across the top of the wing and begins to pick at one of the rudder cables. He is short and covered in green, slimy fur, like a rat standing upright. He has a long, crumpled nose like a witch, and his eyes glow a dark red. He sniggers as he pulls away. Hey! Stop that, you little bastard! The creature turns and looks at me, and I never forget this. He grimaced at me with those eyes and spat on the wing in disgust. I pushed down the control stick and moved her into a sharp nosedive. But it's quick and agile. His hand whips out and his little claws dig into the canvas. I look back to check the boy, and he is still unconscious. Yep, out cold. I look back, and the little bugger has torn a hole in the wing and has crept under into the frame. I'll have to get to him before he tries something else. I unstrap myself and pull out my little knife. It's all I've got. Should do the job. I climb out of the cockpit and put one leg over onto the wing. I pull out a small piece of rope and secure the control stick. I wasn't worried. I was wing walking for years in the aerial shows. I get down on one knee and knock the canvas. I know this bird well enough to feel the little creep under there. Suddenly, the plane lurches sideways and I tumble down and crash into the wing support beam. The plane lurches upward and down. The little bastard is trying to shake me off. I grab onto what I can and I hang on tight. I can see short tufts of green hair sticking out from my cockpit chair. Got him. I move along the wing and get to the cockpit when he leaps up and bites my fingers. Ah! My hands slip from the cockpit and I almost fall off the wing. I look down and see the mountains whipping past below. The little bastard just laughs his little giggle and takes us into another nosedive. I'm thrown back to the front of the plane over the windscreen and I'm inches away from the propellers. I can hear the blades ready to turn me into meat pie. My foot hooks onto the cockpit and I feel his little hands scratching at my leather boots, trying to pry my feet off. I reach into my pocket, pull out my little knife and throw it backwards at the little beast. I spin around and the knife has grazed the little bastard's leg. I pull myself off the bonnet under the wing and grab him by his little green puffer. He flails about, snarling and swiping, and I fling him over my back. I jump back into the cockpit and steady the plane. I look left. I look right. Nothing. I look ahead, and my heart sinks. A huge black cloud formation perched on top of the mountain range. A storm is brewing. I look down at my instruments and there is no way around. I look over the side, praying for a safe place to land, but I only see jagged mountaintops. Hold on, kid, this is gonna get rough. The dark clouds flash as we enter the storm. I hold on tight and buckle down the seatbelt as the old girl tosses and turns around. Little bastard, he 
He's still here. I know it. Somewhere. The storm flashes as a sharp lightning bolt goes flying past the wing. Jesus! The last thing I need right now is a lightning strike. I try to fly her up above the storm, but I'm being thrown around like a ragdoll. I dip and dive and try to keep her running straight. I'm hoping I can get through in one piece and not slam into the mountainside. I look down over the bonnet, and the little green bastard has scampered up and is crouching there, holding my knife. He snarls and tries to stick me with it. I duck behind the glass windscreen and yank the lever to the right. I look, and the little creature has dug his claws into the bonnet, ripping the metal. He's strong. I look back and check that the boy's still locked in. I pull the plane upwards, trying to shake him off, and turn her into a barrel roll. The wind shakes us around, and I spin the plane again and again, but he digs his little claws in, and his eyes glow with anger. I look past him, and I see that the propellers have stopped. She's stalled. We all tip backwards in freefall and tumble down. He loses his grip and slides onto the windscreen. He's so close I can smell his putrid breath. He slashes left and right with the knife. It catches my shoulder and cuts through my jacket. I desperately turn over the engine and try and get her started. Clutching his little green nose. Dark green blood spurts out. The engine starts, and we spin around in a free fall. I push down on the lever, and the plane goes into a nosedive. The little beast tumbles back straight into the propeller, cutting the pieces. Green muck sprays all over the bonnet. I try to pull the plane out of a nosedive. We clear the clouds, and I can see the mountainside coming up fast. I yank the lever to the left, and we fly off to the side, just scraping the treetops. We fly into the mountain gully as I level the old girl out and wipe the green mess from the screen. I look down at my shoulder at the wound. I got you, you little bastard. I close my eyes and breathe. The plane rocks away as we bob up and down, clearing the storm. It's over now. One hour later, I spot the local runway and sigh. I circle around and bring her down. The ambulance is there ready for the boy who is still out cold. He'll never know what he missed that night. And it's probably a good thing. The young lad was sent to hospital, and I was glad to hear that he had had his appendix out and was healing fine. I parked my plane in the garage, and the mechanic looked her up and down and could not believe the damage he could see. He asked about the green sludge. I said it was a bird. A bloody big bird, he cried, as he wiped the muck from the bonnet. What the hell has he been eating? I've never spoken of that night since. About the night a gremlin came to my old girl and we fought it out in the skies. 
Not to my husband. Not to my daughter. The years ticked on, and I grew old. And every now and then, during a storm late at night, I'd wake from a dream, and I swear I can see those little red eyes looking at me from the end of my bed. Hi there, thanks for listening to the episode entitled The Mischief Maker. The radio play was performed by the very talented Amy Coots, written by Adrian Barker, and sound production was recorded by Robert Healy. Please come back next time and join us by the Billabong.